you guys with another season of known we are so pumped for season two guys thank you so much for your grace and your patience with us as we've kind of navigated the busyness of our lives to try to get this season out we are so excited for what is in store for this season guys hey if you're a returning listener thank you so much for your patience thank you so much for just coming alongside us and supporting us if you're a first-time listener man we are so happy that you are here Thank you for spending your time with us and listening to what we have here. If you don't know about Known, we operate under the belief that so many people feel alone because they are unknown. That so many people are not walking in the freedom of being known and knowing that they can be both fully known and fully loved. We have some amazing episodes coming your way this season, guys. I'm so stoked and excited for you to hear some of the stories of the battles and burdens that some individuals have faced that have shaped them into all that God has called them to be. Uh, what a blessing it's been to be on the other end of this podcast and just get to listen and hear and learn from individuals that God has worked in in such amazing ways. But guys, before we get going, I am extremely excited to introduce the sponsor of this season who's making this podcast happen. They're my own personal supplement sponsor, and they were so about the podcast that they wanted to jump on and sponsor that too. And so that is New Ethics Formulations. Guys, they operate on the pillars of transparency, truth, integrity, and honesty. And those are the four pillars by which they view everything they do through. And so you're not going to find that very often in the supplement industry. And so we love them. We're so grateful for what they do. Their products are as pure as they come and they make and design everything they do with no proprietary blends. Everything that's in the supplement is seen on the label. Guys, we can't encourage you enough to check them out. If you want to get a nice 15% off, you can use the code KNOWN. That's K-N-O-W-N, code KNOWN for New Ethics Formulations, guys. We're so excited. We'll link everything in the description for you to easily find them. They're such amazing people, and we're so encouraged by what they're doing with their company and how they're operating. Without further ado, though, my friends, let's get to the episode. I got to sit down with Mr. Noah Olson, who's becoming a close friend of mine. I love this guy and the way that he operates and carries his joy, the way that he speaks into people's lives, and the way that he's always encouraging souls. I think you're going to learn a lot about Noah. Uh, I think you're going to be very interested in what he has to offer. He's such a great guy. And just to be frank, I'm encouraged by him. So guys, I hope this episode encourages you. I'll be back at the end to talk about a few more announcements for Humble Daily, but we love you. We're thankful for you. Be encouraged. Let's go. Hey, what's up, guys? I uh, hope you're having a great day today. We are sitting down with the one and only Noah Olson. How are you doing today, my man? I am doing well. I'm excited to be here with you, hanging out at home. You're in the closet. I'm in our... Uh... I don't know if I was supposed to share that with anybody, but I'm, I'm hanging out just outside of our kitchen. Max is by my feet. Life is good. Heck yeah, man. How have you been dealing with the whole quarantine situation that's going on? How's Florida, Miami, all that stuff? Yeah, it's interesting. We are not big news watchers, Joanne and I. Joanne is my fiance. And so we've just kind of been doing our thing, hanging at home and not super aware of what's going on. We'll check in every now and then on the news or some source that's reliable. But somebody messaged me the other day and said, man, I just was watching the news. Seems like it's crazy in Miami. I hope you're okay as all this is going on. And I said, oh, um, I, I'm not even really sure what you're talking about. Can you fill me in on what they're saying? Because from inside of our home, Miami seems fine. I mean, I, I think everybody's kind of doing the same thing, staying home, not out on the streets too much. But apparently Miami is one of the number one highest rates of positive tests for COVID right now, which I, I was unaware of. Um, knock on wood, so far, Joanne and I have been healthy throughout the whole thing. So um, 
for us, it's just adjusting to this new way of living for now, for nobody knows how long. Yeah. Huh. It's so weird. Weird times to be alive, dude. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> so um, <clears throat> just for the people who don't maybe aren't as familiar with you, Noah, as we are, um, can you just give a little synopsis? Who are you? What do you do? Um, yeah. Cool. I am just a normal dude. At least that's what it feels like. Um, other people will hype me up as more than that. But I am 28, almost 29. My birthday is in about a week, May 3rd. I will be 29 years old. And I've been competing in the sport of CrossFit for the last 10 years. Uh, I've qualified for my seventh CrossFit Games this season, although we are not sure whether or not the games are going down. Supposed to be end of July, but waiting on updates on that. Um, I am a fiance to an amazing, beautiful girl. I am a dog dad to a very handsome golden retriever pup. And... Outside of uh, being a, a good competitor in CrossFit, I want to just be known as a good dude. So do my thing and try to keep people happy and motivated. And I'm excited to have the opportunity to possibly do that here with you today. Heck yeah, man. So how long have uh, you and Joanna been together? It's Joanne. No way at the oh, end. Oh, Joanne. Uh, gotcha. All good. All good. She and I have been together for about seven years now. Awesome. So how, yeah. what's, the, what's the love story there? We met in college. I was in a fraternity. She was in a sorority. And we got paired up for a mixer. And uh, we kind of had a, a crazy night. Nothing, nothing too insane. But just like no, no deep connection the first time we met. And then months later, we were reintroduced through a... It was actually another fraternity sorority thing where we got paired with them to do a reproduction of Greece. And uh, so that was fun. I have no skill, but I was pledging, uh, no, no dancing or singing skills, but I was pledging the fraternity at that time. And so we had to participate. Thankfully, we did. And uh, Joanne and I just started spending a lot of time together. And she was not really looking for as much of a relationship. And I, I guess at the time, I didn't think that I was. But looking back now, I, I definitely was pursuing her and very interested. And Luckily, eventually, she gave me a chance, and here we are seven years later, living in our own little home together and starting a pretty awesome life. Hmm. That's awesome. And do you guys have a date for your wedding? You know, we do not quite yet. We, Joanna's in PT school, and she's about to wrap up year two. And we kind of wanted to wait for her to finish that before we started planning the wedding, just so that we had time to dedicate to it, didn't make it into a stressful process. Um, and then with all of this stuff going down, it's kind of delayed it further, which is not necessarily a bad thing or a good thing. I think it maybe gives us more time to plan it and figure out what we want to do. But we're yeah. looking forward to it whenever it does happen. Yeah, I know a lot of people that had to shut down some weddings with all the stuff that's going on. That's such a bummer. Yeah, for sure. Hmm. It's a good thing. Good it wasn't scheduled during this time, at least, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look at the bright side. You and your fiance or wife? My wife, yeah. Wife, awesome. You guys have been married for a decent bit of time, right? For a, married for about two years, but we've been together for about uh, like nine or ten. So, oh, wow. Very yeah, cool. So we actually grew up in the same neighborhood. And so nice. we kind of ride around the street in small town Wyoming, kind of similar thing. So we, were, we started dating my senior high school. She's two years younger than me, so she was a sophomore in high school. Very cool. But, 
Yeah, yeah you guys seem awesome. It's, it's funny that this podcast is kind of an opportunity for us to get to know each other as well. We've connected on social media, had a couple awesome conversations via text, but we've never really had full in-depth conversation. So I'm looking forward to that. I feel like we could vibe and kind of become friends just based off one conversation here. Yeah, man, I agree. I mean, that's why we were really pushing it. It would have been so sweet just to be able to come down to Miami and hang with y'all. Um, so fun fact, actually, Guido was the first person that ever had a Humble Daily t-shirt. Um, no way. Yeah, so we went, I think it was your first year at the games. We were at the games, and it was okay. the year, it was, um, we just kind of had the idea for Humble Daily, and then we found Guido. I think I called him Guido. Yeah, <laughs> classic. Everybody does. And so I was like, hey, man, we started chatting, and obviously he's such a cool dude. Um, yeah. But so we just started chatting, doing it, and then actually had some in my backpack, like the first ones we had ever printed. And so I was like, hey, man, can I give you this? Um, but yeah, he's he's the OG to the Humble Daily Tea. So that's awesome. I wonder if he knows that. I don't know. I think I might have told him once, but we're going to podcast with him, too. So we're excited. OK, cool. But, yeah. Guido is uh, one of my best friends, and he's the guy that started the CrossFit gym that I started my whole career at Peak 360. So Guido's a very special guy in my life, and I've definitely seen him wear his Humble Daily t-shirt on many occasions. Love it, man. So let's just jump right into that then. Can you, like, so Guido kind of was, I think I've heard you say you, you saw a picture of Guido who looks like he's chiseled out of marble. Um, <laughs> yep. And so you're kind of like, man, I wouldn't mind looking like that guy. And that was For kind sure. of a genesis story to who you are now and your whole entire career, right? Yeah, certainly. Started off as an aesthetics thing and then turned into much more of an athletic thing over time. Um, But I was a sophomore in college and like many sophomore college guys just wanted to be jacked and ripped and shredded or whatever word you want to use for that. And I saw a picture of Guido running on the beach looking all of those things and it was advertising CrossFit, which I had heard of but never done. So I went and tried it out one time at Peak 360, and I've been going there pretty much every day ever since. Hmm. That's so cool. And so what? let's talk a little about just like the mentorship that Guido has had kind of in your story, in your life, in your walk. Um, like what's that relationship like? What does that mean to you? Um, just like the general, I think it's pretty rare to have someone that can walk with you through the whole story like you have. Yeah. Um, what does that mean? Yeah, there are a lot of facets to my relationship with Guido because it started off as a bit of a mentorship. More than anything, I was probably, um, I was enamored by him. You know, he was, he was jacked. He was super athletic. He's 10 years older than me. And so when I started going to peak, he was like the man and he owned the gym. He was a competitor and was, I think, right before I had started, um, or right when I had started, he was kind of just about to break onto the scene and qualify for his first CrossFit game. So I just really looked up to him and wanted to be like him. And he took me under his wing and allowed me to spend a lot of time with him in the gym. And that was kind of where that side of things developed. As we began to develop our friendship as well, I learned so many things outside of the gym from him. He's an awesome father. He's a good business owner. He's just a good person in general. He's really positive. He's really faithful. And so um, I definitely owe a lot of who I am and who I've become to that guy. And my mom always jokes that after a little while, I started kind of taking on qualities and characteristics that Guido portrayed, like similar smile, similar tone of voice, similar mannerisms. And 
I don't know. I, I, I'll take it. Like, I don't want to be a copycat of anybody, but if you're going to um, model yourself after anyone, he's a pretty good guy to do it hmm. with. That's so awesome, man. Yeah. I wish I would love to get some more time with him too. Just he's like a stellar dude. Um, and so when you, so you kind of famously came on the scene with a, you told Castro, right. That you were going to be out on the floor. Um, and that was kind of the story that, that held over your name for the first few years of your CrossFit career. Um, going back to that moment, like what was going through your head when you told him that was that like a, was it kind of just like a hopeful thing or were you like, no, this is going to happen. I think it was probably a little bit of both. Um, it was on a whim as well. Like it definitely was not a plan. I, was at regionals in 2011. Guido was competing there. And he was, Castro is the director of the CrossFit Games and he wasn't the Dave Castro yet, like he's known now, but you definitely recognized him. And I think people were familiar with who he was and what he did. And I happened to end up at some point sitting next to him. And we were kind of small talking at first. And I think my, my closeout, you know, you like to leave somebody with like a little one liner, drop the mic and walk off. Mm-hmm. It was, it was one of those. I was like, you know what? Hey man, I just want to let you know, I'm going to be out there competing one day. You'll be watching me in the, in, on the competition floor rather than sitting here chatting with me in the stands. And the next year I qualified for regionals and it felt good to make good on my word. Huh. Have you ever talked to Dave about that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's actually kind of like an evolution of that story because that year that I finally did qualify at regionals, I bumped into him there and he recognized me and he, I, I kind of reminded him of the story and he said, no way, you know, I remember that and it's really cool. And um, I think we've always shared a little mutual respect and admiration for each other because of that moment. Hmm. That's very cool. Yeah, that's something no one else definitely has. Um, yeah. So I think in like the early phases of your CrossFit, just kind of watching you throughout your career uh, and everything like that, in in my opinion, it almost felt like CrossFit kind of wanted like a bad guy or a villain or something like that, you know? Yeah. Um, and and from, from the athletes that I've talked to, they're like, no, like that's not Noah at all. But it almost seemed like they tried to make you out to be that guy early on. Um, yeah, yeah. Do you, so when we're talking through that, there were some things I know that came up um, with the story of whatever Rich said to you and that whatever that came out to be, um, not to bring back the past or rile up any bad blood or anything. Um, None of that. But in that, I noticed that you've talked a lot about like, that was kind of a turning point for you because it's not who you are. And and that really was kind of an insecurity in you. It's like, just because I'm good at something doesn't mean I have to be arrogant or doesn't mean I have to walk that way. Um, and I can relate to that. Like, I know that's one of my, the biggest things for me that I look at is like, man, I do not want to be portrayed as arrogant. That's never my intent. Yeah. uh, Yeah, exactly. Can you talk through that a little bit? Like what that season was like where it's like, man, this isn't my intent, but this is how people are viewing me and just the insecurity that kind of came with walking through that. For sure. And I, I can't fully pass blame off onto anybody for portraying me in a certain way. I have to take some responsibility for that. And I think that honestly, I took on a little bit of a persona when I first started competing with the big dogs. I didn't really view myself as one of the big dogs. You know, it was so new to me and I looked up to those guys so much. And so in order to view myself as an equal and not feel like uh, an outlier, I had to make myself one of the big dogs. And so I started acting in a way I think that I viewed as the way a big dog should act or or be. 
and it definitely did come off the wrong way and rubbed people the wrong way. And I didn't know that it was happening until I started kind of getting this feedback from people and having these negative interactions and had to take a step back and say, whoa, what's going on here? Because this is not who I feel like I am. I'm, I'm turning myself into somebody that I don't think I want to be. And I had to pivot and kind of push that away and start fresh. And it was kind of like uh, being able to hit the reset button and get a redo. And it took a little while because I think people had developed that persona or ideation of who I was. And so slowly but surely by just not putting on a fake face or front, being a little bit more of who I was, being more humble and just trying to be good and kind and nice, slowly I was able to kind of erase, I think, that other persona. And now I, I hope that people view me as somebody that's a little bit more positive, a little bit more kind, way more humble, and uh, just out here trying to spread good, good hmm. competition, good vibes, good everything. Hmm. I love that. So during the journey through that, was that, did that weigh pretty heavily on you? That it's like, man, like people have a perception of me that's not, it's not consistent with how I want to be viewed or how I feel that I'm actually acting. Was that? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I think everybody wants to be liked to a certain extent. So when you're getting, uh, whether it's through social media or conversations with people, if you're not feeling liked, then at least for me, it like put a pit in my stomach. And I was like, oh man, I really don't like that people don't like who I am, especially for it being somebody that's a little bit cocky and I, I don't want to be that. And I didn't know that until I was kind of being told that I was that way. And um, that was when I had to, like I said, kind of zoom out and hit a little bit of that reset button. But I think it was all stemmed from just, like I said at the beginning of this, being insecure and not really being confident in myself and who I was. And so I was trying to create this persona of this kind of macho man that was really confident in himself when really I wasn't. And isn't that funny? Because I feel like that's how most um, of that stuff gets started. Like the bully is the bully because really he's self-conscious or the somebody is acting a certain way because inside they really are feeling the opposite of what they're portraying. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Was there ever a moment where you were like, is this actually true about me? Like, did you ever actually start to maybe believe that maybe the perception was true or did it? I think so, but I, I knew it wasn't true of like my deep internal character. I, I could look at it and say the things that they're saying are true based on things that I've said or actions that I've taken, but those actions don't represent what I really feel on the inside and who I know I really am and want to be. And so that was kind of like a wake-up call. Like, hey, dude, you're really not being yourself, so cut that out and uh, let's start fresh. Just be you. I like that. And I think, like, so much of who you are is kind of a, a playful, fun, um, just, like, out there having fun, enjoying yourself. Yeah. I think if, if people want to view that through the wrong lens, it can be misconstrued as, like, a playful arrogance, you know, if they don't yeah. actually know your intent and who you are. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, man, I can see how that would be hard. And so... Is any is any part of happy but hungry kind of birthed out of that season, of like yeah like 
a lot of maybe what the traits that you did pin on me for maybe being arrogant or maybe being these things, I was actually just happy and acting in a lot of those things. And people maybe misconstrued it to be an arrogance or to be those things. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, maybe. I, I've never made the connection of the two because they felt like the happy but hungry kind of came about in what felt like the new era of me. And I had already left the past behind. So I don't necessarily view it as a tie, but... Um, you know, I, I think that it's interesting the more that we talk about this, the like happiness and positivity and, and niceness almost, I feel like either generationally, like it was when we were in middle school and high school and it, it still is that way for middle schoolers and high schoolers or the world has just changed in the last like 10, 15 years where during that period of time for me, it wasn't really cool to be nice to everybody. You know, it wasn't cool yeah. to to smile a lot and say hello to people. Like it was cool to like walk with your arms crossed and like give a head nod and just try to be that cool guy. And so I think that as a, a society and a culture, I had learned to not be the things that I feel like I am now, which is hopefully, like I said, happy and kind because it wasn't seen as cool and I really wanted to be cool because every kid does but um, now that it is whether it's that I've graduated from the middle school high school era and in your 20s and 30s it's actually cooler to be nicer to people or just that the world has changed and kindness is cool 10-15 years later now I feel like happy but hungry is awesome and I love it and a simple definition of happy but hungry for me is to love what you're doing every day but continue striving to do more and always want to get better. Hmm. So how do you, cause it feels like we kind of live in a society that choose like you have, feels like you have to kind of choose one or the other, like you gotta be happy or you gotta be hungry. So how do you kind of, how do you fight the balance and how do you um, deal with that? Yeah. It's ironic that you say that because that's how that statement or, or mantra or whatever you want to call it was born because my coach at the time and, and still my coach, Max El Hajj, was having a conversation with me about how a lot of his athletes and CrossFitters are kind of fueled by like this inner rage. And in order to go into the pain cave, you have to call on that. And I didn't really have that in me. Like in training, I was playful and fun and having a good time and not a lot of stuff got me to that place. And he viewed it as like, hey, I think you're not really tapping into your full potential because you're not able to pull from this. And I said, no, I... I kind of disagree with you. I think that I am able to really get after it when it calls for it. Like I'm going to go deep into a workout and make it hurt, but it's not because I'm angry. It's because I love what I'm doing and I want to be successful. And so that's driving me and I'm going to enjoy the process, even if it's a little painful here and there. Hmm. That's so good. Is there like how has there almost been a mark in your life of how things have changed since you really started embracing that mantra and that kind of identity? Yeah, I, I think it's just allowed me to live more confidently in myself and not to have that inner battle. Um, I, I do thoroughly enjoy training every day. I know I'm in a, a position right now to work out full time and make a living off of that is something that I don't take for granted. I know it's not going to last forever. And so while I am in this window, I want to enjoy it and have the most positive memories that I can from it. And in order to really capitalize on it, 
I have to go hard and I have to be hungry. So that's kind of how the two blend together. That's awesome. So with that, I know I've heard you say in interviews before, I don't know if it's still the same. You can correct me. Um, if it, for a while there, you said you, you enjoyed training a lot more than the competition aspect. Um, is that still kind of true or has, has the happy but hungry kind of helped you manifest the competition aspect as just like another piece of the training? Yeah. You know, that's a really great question. I would say that this year, actually the happy but hungry mindset kind of made it the best year of competing for me or this past year, I should say the 2019 season, because years prior I would train happy but hungry, like train in a good place and really get after it. But then when it came to competition, I feel like it, the hungriness overshadowed the happiness and the weekend of competing was fully war zone pressure, not enjoying it, going to do the best that I can, but really can't wait for this to be over because it's so overwhelming. And this year in 2019, when I finally was able to take a step back and say, you know what, I want to enjoy this competition because I am getting a little bit older and maybe I only have a few more years to compete. So I don't want all of my memories of competing to be these negative memories. I want to have some positive memories of the CrossFit game. So let me try to go into this one this year super happy, enjoy the experience, and not really put any pressure or expectation on myself. If I do great, even better. If I don't do well, oh well, I had a good time. And I know that doesn't sound like the mindset of like a, a winner, possibly, but it brought me to the podium for the first time ever. I finished second in the world and almost won. I was in first place for a good portion of the weekend. So being able to enjoy the experience and not put all that pressure on myself ended up working out for the better. So how did that, what did that feel like to finally kind of break into the podium? You've, you've been a big name in the sport for a while. And I think, did you get fourth the year before? I did. Yes. And I so you're kind of six, fourth, second is the last three years. Awesome. So you're just kind of right there and then to break into it and yeah, just kind of really crush the weekend. What did that feel like? Did it, how does that motivate you moving forward? And just kind of, what was that like? Oh man, almost inexplicable just because it's been 10 years of chasing that. I, since I started CrossFit, I right away knew I wanted to compete. And then once I realized that I could be competitive, realized that I wanted to win the CrossFit games and try to be on the podium and be the fittest on earth. And sometimes I think it's a, that's kind of a blank statement that competitors make. They say, yeah, I want to be the champion and of course, everybody wants to be the champion, you know, but um, realizing that it's not possible for everyone all the time. So when people do say that, they don't necessarily really mean it. I'm, I'm kind of rambling, but basically, um, when I was finally able to actualize this goal of making it to the podium, it was very fulfilling. And it, I've, I've had a lot of small goals that I've accomplished along the way, winning regionals, winning the Open, winning Guadalupe, blah, 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 blah. Those all felt awesome, but the overarching goal has always been to win the CrossFit Games. And I would say up until now, I've been able to check off every single box except for that one. So winning the Games is still the one unchecked box that I'm hoping I can fill in before my time in the sport is over. Love that. 
So with that, you've kind of, like you said, you've transversed so many domains of CrossFit from winning the Open, from being a guy that was not even on the floor that was like, man, I'm going to do it. And now you kind of stood up on the podium. Uh, throughout that story, like, has there been any moments where you, you were done? Like you, you wanted to quit, you almost did quit or anything uh, like that? Yeah, many times. Not to the point where they actualized themselves, but there were definitely the thoughts that crossed my mind. And usually it was during competition, believe it or not. Every time I was mid-competition, I would start to, I, I wouldn't do it, but my mind would kind of take over and go down this rabbit hole of why am I doing this? This is such an uncomfortable position. And I don't know if everybody can relate to that. Obviously our minds are all different, but I really call it performance anxiety. I still was able to perform relatively well sometimes. Like one of the regionals that I won and came in first place the whole weekend was sick to my stomach, couldn't sleep, really like almost breaking down in tears at night to Joanne. Like I really hate this feeling that I'm, I'm dealing with inside and I don't know if I want to do this anymore. And then the competition ends and I win and it's like, this is amazing. I love this life that I live. I get to train. I can't wait to do this again next time. So there, there have been the waves and the ups and downs. Um, I would say the biggest ups and downs kind of happened in that last season. Obviously, the up was getting on the podium at the CrossFit Games. That's the peak of my career so far. And the deepest valley that I've been in was three months prior to that competing at the Rogue Invitational and I finished that weekend in eighth place. And to me, somebody that viewed myself and had the desire to be one of the best in the world, eighth place felt so disappointing. And I really, that whole weekend felt like, man, I just don't have it anymore. Like I cannot hang with these guys. I don't, maybe I passed my prime. And so dealing with all those thoughts and deciding to just stick it out for the rest of the season and see how things could go. And that was where that mindset kind of evolved at the games where I was like, hey, if this is my last season, I want to try to enjoy it. And it ended up being my best season ever. And I'm glad that it did because I think had I, for whatever reason, not had a good performance at the games this year, I would have gone further down that train of thought of this is it, past my prime, it's time to hang it up. Um, but having taken second, now I'm super fired up and hungry and I feel great and training's great. So it's funny how one weekend can play out and change the rest of your history. Yeah. So I've talked to Cole a little bit about this. Um, I think it's interesting you kind of bring it up. I think there's a side of CrossFit that only the people at your guys' level really know about. Um, I think from the outside looking in, I can get on your Instagram and it's like, oh yeah, Noah works out all day and he gets free Nike stuff and <laughs> all that stuff. And it looks pretty amazing. But talking with Cole, he's like, man, there's a side, like when you're peaking for the games, he's like, you just feel like a robot. Like you eat, you recover, like you, your hormones are all jacked up because your body fat's so low. And like, can you talk a little bit to that just about kind of the mind games that that plays with you? Um, the reality of what the behind the scenes actually looks like that it's, it's not all just, I mean, the Nike swag is cool, but that doesn't get you through the tough days, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that that's a perspective thing too, because you can choose to look at everything in certain ways. Like this quarantine situation, I'm digressing a little bit, but you can choose to look at it as super negative and it's uh, detrimental to everyone, or you can kind of choose to find the silver lining. And I know that that's not possible for everyone. I don't want to offend 
anybody, I know that some people are in situations where they've maybe lost their jobs or someone in their family has gotten sick. So this doesn't necessarily apply there. But if that's not the case, then you have more time to spend with your family and work on your fitness and be creative around the house, whatever. So I think choosing to shift your perspective and look at something in a certain way is really big. And so for me, going back to your original question, it is really tough to grind and train three sessions a day that are three hours each leading up to the CrossFit games and really kind of just grind your body down into the ground. But if you look at it in that way and choose to focus on the way you're feeling and how difficult it is, it can obviously start to build up and, and that can be the overarching perspective that you view things through. But if you look at it in the other way and say, all right, yeah, this is really hard, but how cool is it that I do get to train every single day that at night I get to just hang out and chill and lay in my own bed and I don't have to wake up in the morning at 6 a.m. and put on a suit and tie if I don't want to. Like I can take time recovering my body. I can go for a run. Like there are just so many cool ways to look at it that I feel like that really helps me stay positive and find that silver lining even when things do get really tough. Um, All that to say that Cole is definitely right. Like there are times, especially just before the games when it's rough, where you're, I can think of some sessions where when I lived in Georgia, prepping for the 2017 games, I had to wake up at 6 a.m., meet my coach Max at a location that he had given me that morning, had no idea what I was going to do, showed up, he said, you have 20 minutes to work out and then meet me down at that track got to the track he said you're running a 5k time trial starting in five minutes so boom go we left the track went back to the gym he said all right now you're going to work up to a one rep max snatch followed by this metcon you've got two hours to eat lunch we're going to come back and do this session against will who's really good at this and then in the evening you're going to meet travis and do a rowing session because travis is really good at rowing so it's like oh man, you can kind of lose yourself in the intensity of all that. But again, shifting my perspective, knowing, man, how lucky am I that I have a coach that's willing to put me in that position and expose me to unknown elements? How lucky am I that I have training partners like Will and Travis that are world-class at snatching and rowing? And sure, they're kicking my butt now, but that's preparing me to do even better when it's game time. Yeah. Hmm. That's cool. I think you and Cole are similar in a lot of ways because that's almost the exact answer Cole circled back around to. Yeah, um, I love Cole. He's a good dude. Oh, man, such a solid guy. Yeah. Uh, so so one of the things, Noah, that kind of really sparked us like uh, in Humble Daily, we were like, man, that's so cool because we've always kind of seen it in you and seen some stuff. And um, you posted last January. Uh, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, it's still to date one of your most engaged posts, I think on Instagram just about like, Hey, like, I, I don't know where I land on this. I don't know where I stand, but I'm exploring it and I'm wrestling with it. Um, and that's just like on the topic of faith and just trying to figure out like, where do I stand with belief? And I think you said, um, you guys started going to, you went to a service at passion yep. while you're in Georgia. Okay. We sure did. Awesome. And then that kind of led you to, uh, spending some time at VU with Rich and, um, all that stuff. So can we talk through that a little bit about like, just a little bit about that? Like what, um, what kind of led you to that and, and the vulnerabilities that you shared of like, man, I still, I don't have all the answers. I'm still wrestling and figuring it out. But yeah. I just want to, I want to put it out there, you know? 
Yeah, I remember sharing that for sure. It's a neon sign that says, welcome to church. And I didn't know really how that post was going to be received, but it was just kind of weighing on me. And it was something that I wanted to share with people because I think if I had seen somebody share a message like that in the position that I was in two years ago where I had no relationship with a church or with faith or with God, and I had read somebody that was like, hey, I grew up without that, and I've been introduced to it recently, and it hasn't completely radically changed my life, but there are definitely a lot of positives that I've taken from it, and I'm learning a ton, and some people absolutely love it and have had their lives changed by it. I think it would have maybe, maybe just opened my eyes and my heart up to the possibility of exploring it. And so I wanted to maybe be able to share that for other people that had no exposure to it. Um, And my initial exposure, like I said, didn't grow up in a faith-based household. and, And I don't think that's a good thing or a bad thing. Like I love my parents to death. I don't think they made any mistakes in doing that per se. That was just the way we were raised. That's how they were raised themselves. And um, I think they still taught us great morals. I think my sister and I are good people. But as I've grown and kind of developed relationships with certain people that I really love and look up to, like Guido and like my best friend Bijan, they had a relationship with God and went to church and kind of encouraged me softly to explore that with them and ask questions because I was always curious because I, it wasn't that I had chosen not to, it was just that I, I didn't know, you know, I, I, it's like discovering something brand new for the first time. And, uh, excuse me, you mentioned Passion City Church and we went there for Easter because Joanne actually grew up. Um, her grandfather is a Russian Orthodox priest, and she grew up every summer staying at their house, which was on the church grounds. And she kind of ritualistically would go to church on Easter, asked if I would go with her. I went, had a great positive experience. Everybody was incredibly friendly, incredibly positive. I listened to the pastor, Louis Giglio, preach a message that obviously was about God even though I did not necessarily fully grasp that, there were a lot of takeaways that I left with and said, you know what, I'm gonna implement that and try that throughout the week and see how that makes my life better, and it did. And so I asked Joanne if we can go back the next week and the next week and have just really been open to it. And um, to be super vulnerable and honest with you, and I hope this doesn't upset you because I know some people... um, are, are really strong in their belief, but I still have not like raised my hand at the end of a sermon and said, I'm accepting Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And, and I've gotten close for sure. I've had times when I've been like goosebumps and thought, man, is this it right now? But I, I want it to be like really genuine and really true. And, and I think I'm kind of waiting for something significant, really overpowering to make me know without a doubt that it's the case. And maybe that'll never happen. And I know sometimes faith is not based on something like that, but um, I'm still open to it. We still go to church almost every weekend. We've got some great friends in the church community and we'll see how it all unfolds. So what do you think the importance is, Noah? Because the genesis for you is like, man, I'm just going to be open to it. Like I'm going to be open-minded to trying it. I think especially with the, especially around church now, um, 
I think there's there's a lot of Christianity that isn't really Christianity that people are out there carrying out and, and putting the label on it um, that is unattractive and that that does make you want to be close minded towards whatever they're saying. Um, and so how do you what is the importance, do you think, about people being open minded to that and just like, hey, like, I mean, like you just said, doesn't to address your question, it doesn't upset me. <laughs> um, but like, glad. yeah, no, not at all. And so, and I think for me, from my side, it looks, it looks and sounds a lot like, like God's really doing something in your heart. And that's, that's my perspective of it, of like, man, it's, it's cool that you're still going back and you're still looking. You're not like, it wasn't this flash in the pan moment of passion and like, oh, well, like nothing really manifested. So I'm just right. going to quit, you know? <clears throat> and so what is the importance you think of people just being open-minded to that? And like, there is a level of, of, yeah, you're not going to understand everything. If, if what we say about God is true, that he's this infinite God and we're a finite human, it's going to be pretty difficult to understand everything about him. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So what, what would you, what advice would you give people just like, Hey, you never know, like be open-minded. You never know what that's going to be. And obviously you had a lot of really good examples and influences in your life that pushed you in that direction. For so sure. maybe um, can you encourage people to get around people like that or just what does that look like in your connotation? Yeah, I think even experiencing church and I, I almost said the right church, but I don't know what the heck that means. <laughs> but I think that there are a lot of churches out there now that have had exposure to more of them that are kind of preaching the message of God loves everyone and you and I are equals and you should be nice to this person because they're a child of God as well. And, and, and just kind of that, like that positive message I had not been exposed to in the past. And so I had created kind of my own assumptions about religion and God and how it was more along the lines of God is kind of a ruler and you have to follow the rules. And if you don't, then you don't get into heaven and you're banished to hell. And so that, I think, there, that, that's, that's kind of, I don't know, I, I don't want to call that negative, but there's not a whole lot of love and compassion and positivity in that. And it can be kind of scary. So I think if people have not heard the message of the Bible translated to them from somebody that can do it in a way that I experienced it, then it can be really hard to understand it. And Louis Giglio and Rich Wilkerson are two of the guys that I have heard speak that made me look at things in a really different way and say, wow, this is really cool. And I feel like I was already kind of living this way a little bit. Maybe it was, like, maybe I am kind of lined up with God. Maybe God is doing something through me because it was already happening and I didn't realize that could be godly. But now that you're saying it in this way, maybe it was the whole time. So, hmm. yeah, I, I, I guess advice would be if you have no prior exposure or understanding, just try it out once and it may be completely different than you could have ever expected. Hmm. So what do you, it's so interesting that you say, like, you just kind of created your own image of God um, in your head. And I love, I've, I've heard it said by someone that, uh, like the Bible says we're created in the image of God, but it, it seems very often that we create God in our image that we think he, yeah, he, he true, has huh? to be imperfect and he has to be a jerk just like us and he has to be fallible. Um, and I love that you say that. I think we, I think I tend to naturally fall into like God being this cosmic killjoy that like wants me to have no fun and all those things when I, when I'm in the woe is me moments. Um, yeah. 
I think it's just so cool to say, like, if the Bible does say that God is love and that God is, God is so full of joy, um, I think we'd want to hang out with Jesus, you know? Yeah. Like I, I really do. I genuinely think <laughs> we would. Um, yeah. He'd be one of the guys that you call up to be your quarantine buddy. Yeah, absolutely. So what, like, I don't know, I love that you say that, just if we can go a little further down that vein of, like, like there's qualities in your life that had manifested that, that now you're kind of looking at, like, huh, like maybe that was in line with who God's called me to be. And I just didn't really know. I didn't attribute it to the source yet. You yeah. Know, like what are, what are some of those things that you've seen in your life that have, have come since you're like, huh, maybe that is, or maybe Rich has spoken it over you and spoken into your life of like, man, you are these things or Louie or Guido, whatever that is. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it was just that general acceptance of everyone and that kindness to everyone. Cause I went through periods of time where I felt like I was a little bit bullied and kind of pushed to the outside and and eventually I realized that I didn't enjoy that and I didn't want to put that on anyone else. And so I wanted to always try to be inclusive of people, whether they're, I don't know, whatever they look like, act like, were born like. And I think that was one thing that was a big realization to me as I was really starting to understand that on my own, hearing that reinforced in church was like, oh, wow, okay, that's, uh, that's pretty cool. And this just popped into my mind, and it's a, a little bit of a diversion from what you said, so I apologize, but no, you're one of the battles that I've had with faith and believing is the, what is it, the omnibenevolence, right? Like that God is all good and all loving, and for me, I've had a couple experience, like really negative experiences in my life, mainly with the death of friends that have made it really difficult for me. And, and I kind of forgot to mention that that was prior to this church experience. My only experience with God was when my best friend, my senior year of high school passed away, Kevin Garcia. A lot of people turned to God and I almost did the opposite and turned away. And I said, if there really is a God, how in the world could he take this amazing, this kid was so good. He was the happiest, kindest, most fun and enjoyable person to be around. Like he was probably more like God than anybody I knew then. And he died in a car accident one night. And that was just so crushing to me that I was like, There's, there cannot be a God because he wouldn't have let that happen. And of, and, I, and I honestly, I still don't really understand that. I've had people try to explain it to me. And, and recently, my faith was shaken a couple years ago and Becky Konzelman passed away. I know you're pretty familiar with Becky. I was like, how could this woman that is spreading the message of God in the best, most amazing way more than anybody else, how could he allow her to die as well and leave her children behind? Like, That's something that has always made it harder for me to go ahead and say, all right, I do believe in there is a God because if there is, I don't understand why people like that are not with us right now. Yeah. And, and I know you don't have the answer to that and I know <laughs> not, not anybody does, so we don't even have to go down that route, but that's definitely one of the hangups that I've battled with if we're being totally transparent. No, I thank you for being honest. Um, yeah, man, I think, I mean, I, I would probably put that in the top three things that people are like, if God is good and God is all powerful, therefore, why are there bad? Why is there bad things that are happening? Yeah. You know, and I definitely understand the wrestling with that. And I think it's encouraging that you're even wrestling with it. Right. Because some people are like, therefore, there is no God. 
you know, and it's, I I love the line of one of my favorite pastors, his name's Matt Chandler says, um, we're oftentimes like if God is everywhere and God knows the future, we're, we're guilty of, of watching the opening credits and cursing him for the whole plot, you know, (laughs) and and that's, I've, I'm just as guilty of that as anyone. Um, but yeah, man, I totally understand what you're coming from. Same with the loss of Becky was like, holy smokes, man. Um, and, and leaning into that faith and trust of like, I don't know why you're doing it. I don't have the answers. I, I hope it's for the good. The Bible tells yeah. me it's for the good. Um, but yeah, and I too, man, I think like, and I'm sure if anyone's ever talked to you through this, this has come up with Rich or Guido or whatever of like, I'm sure like one of the things that encourages me is you do point so much back to like a moral law of the fact that like you have always, even though God wasn't a reality of your childhood, you always have had this thing in you where you're like, that's good and that's bad. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think we do all share that in a lot of capacities that it's like, no one would really agree that murder is good, you know, right. <laughs> like yeah. right, right out of the womb is as, as soon as we can have a cognitive thought. Um, and I love one of the deductions of that is like, it's, it's interesting that we have a moral law because wherever there's a law, there's someone that made that law. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's, that's something that's helpful for me to chew on. But at the same time, like you said, no one's going to give you an answer of like <laughs> outside of God himself, of coming down and like, Hey, here's why I did it. Yeah. And we do. I do hope that one day we know, um, how yeah. all those things add together. That's, but I'm you, a, you sparked two thoughts. If, if you ahead, don't mind my sharing. Yep. So you were kind of just insinuating right there that if you're born with this intrinsic moral code or law and it had to come from somewhere, it couldn't have come from any, anywhere really, but God at that point in time. Right. So yeah. that, that is interesting for sure. And, um, and what did you say? And then the um, not knowing how it's all going to unfold. I think you're right. I hope you're right. Like that bad things do happen maybe for good reason down the line. And like the Kevin Garcia Foundation that was created after Kevin passed away has done a ton of good. And who knows if some of that good stuff would not have happened if Kevin hadn't passed away. Not to say that I would trade his passing for all of the good things that his foundation has done. But um, I, I think that they're definitely, in the moment, it's hard to see how down the line there could be some positive impact from this like impossibly negative situation. Uh, absolutely. Um, have you read Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis? I have not. Or has anyone that, if, if you're ever like, man, I need a book, that's a good one. Just because okay. he's, such, he's such a deep thinker. Yeah. He actually, so he was, I believe he was at Cambridge, but he was an atheist and kind of, um, one of the things he said, I'm going to totally butcher it, but something along the lines of like, um, the fact that the fact that I ran into was that there was so much messed up in the world that it, it was not a problem for my le- belief, but rather a problem for my unbelief mm. because I found something in me that said, this is unjust and I could no longer justify, well, well where did my idea of just and unjust come from? You know, just kind of like what I yeah. wanted to, but man, I'm, I'm, I'm just encouraged that you're wrestling with it, dude. I think so many people just like, nah, not for me, you know? And, and like you said about your early childhood and stuff, it's like, it wasn't that God like wasn't a part of it or that I was ignoring him. I just, it wasn't a reality and I just was doing other things, you know? And so it's really easy to just go on and do other things and be distracted away from it. So it's cool that you're even, even leaning in and doing that, man. So be encouraged. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that. I think even if it doesn't, I, I don't know, whatever direction that it goes for me, I'm glad that I'm in it now. And I'm glad that there are so many people that have 
had their lives changed in such incredible ways by believing and kind of accepting that. And uh, so if, if that's the most that comes of it and other people have had this amazingly positive experience, that makes me happy. So domino effect, it's a good thing. I'll take it. I love it, dude. So I recently saw that you and, uh, um, you and Joanne have been journaling more and more and kind of, I don't know if it's just during the quarantine time or if that was kind of before all of that too. Um, what's kind of the, what's the idea or the genesis behind that? Yeah, journaling is something that I had always been aware of. It's almost this same conversation, but in a very different way. I was aware of it, but wasn't really doing it. And I was given a journal and decided to one day just reach for it and start writing down some thoughts, kind of free flow. And uh, I've, I've told this story before, so I don't want it to be redundant. If anybody has ever heard me say it, I'll keep it short and sweet. But I basically, in free flow journaling, was always venting. And so it was very negative, And I was just kind of getting stuff off my chest. And I think that that's healthy. I, I think that that can be a good way to let stuff out. But if it's the only thing, then when I like read back through my journal, it looked like I had this really terrible life. And I didn't. And so I decided to try to do a little bit of both. And you know, I said, you know what? I want to acknowledge some of the positive stuff that's going on because there is quite a bit and put a little bit of structure to it about a year ago probably I said I'm going to try as often as I can remember to to give myself the time to journal and I'll write a section of things that I'm grateful for something about what's going on in my life right now something that is going to be my intention for the day a section to affirm those things so that I can have the confidence that I'll be able to accomplish those intentions and then uh, the final section is serve so something that I'm going to do for somebody else that day even if it's small like make dinner for Joanne and I like and um, since then I've, I've been able to do that almost every day I have some really really cool stuff to reflect on now because during the games when I was having such an amazingly positive experience I was writing about all of that so that's cool to look back on huh. um, but yeah it's it went from being really negative which was the reality at the time for me. I had a lot of negative stuff going on, so I think it was good to get it off my chest. But then coming out of that stuff, it was really helpful. And I think it pushed me all the way out of the darkness to acknowledge the good things that were going on and things that I was grateful for. Hmm. That's awesome. So you kind, of, you kind of touched on it a little bit, but like, what are some of the fruits that have been bore from just the consistent habit of like, man, I'm going to put this on paper and I'm going to be intentional about it? Yeah. I really have enjoyed the times when I will create an intention for the day and then later on in the day, I'll have this flash reminder of what I had written in my journal this morning and realize, hey, I'm really off track from accomplishing that. I need to kind of get a little reset going to make sure I get that done. And it has really helped me turn things around and end up being a much more productive day. I feel like sometimes we can get lost in the hustle and bustle of life in general. And if you don't have those things to look back on and keep you on track, you can get to the end of the day and be like, I don't even know what happened. I don't know what I accomplished <laughs> and I'm going to go to bed and try again tomorrow. So being able to set intentions helps me kind of feel like my days are more productive and positive. Huh. That's so cool. So I, I find that I learn the most about myself when I'm doing intentional things like that. Um, what's something you're learning about yourself? Hmm. Learning about myself. I think that the gratitude stuff has even further 
helped me be positive and kind of be a light for myself and for people, I had started to the last few years get acknowledgement from people like, hey, you're a really positive guy. And I like that. Like, it, it feels good to be around you. And I was like, that is kind of like a, a positive cycle for me because I'll hear that and I like that. So I want to do it more. So I'll be more positive and it, it kind of snowballs in a good way. And this gratitude journaling made that even more so where in the morning I would write down all these things I'm grateful for and I'd have this huge section before I've even started my day and I'm like, man, life is so good. This is going to be such a good day. The sun is shining. I'm taking my awesome dog for a walk and see people and smile and wave to them and just kind of like very uh, small interactions that would build up a lot of positive stuff. And so I think being able to do this gratitude journaling has made me more aware of the light that's in me that I want to be able to share with more people. So cool. So what, so obviously you meant, you mentioned it earlier about CrossFit's not a forever career. Um, and so you're, I don't know what your plans are if you're looking to do masters, whatever that is, but either way, um, like what, what's your hopes? Like, what do you hope to be doing after CrossFit? What do you hope that, um, this platform can transition into and things like that? It's a great question. And it's something that I am still trying to figure out. I definitely don't have it all mapped out to a T, but I would love to be able to transition into something that allows me to utilize the platform that I've built for some good. And, and maybe that's just one element of it. Um, I would love to be able to do some sort of charity, some sort of give back. I don't know exactly what that is yet. I've got some ideas. But I would also like to make a living off of something in the, the fitness realm, You know, whether that's coaching or doing camps or competing. Again, I, I really don't have it mapped out yet, but I have faith that I will be able to kind of find my way and use my creativity and a lot of the connections that I've built to transition into something as awesome as what I'm doing now. Hmm. I love that. Love it. So what, um, I don't know, man, like what's, what's in the pipeline for you? Is there anything that you're excited about right now other than just training or yeah. is, uh, the quarantine almost made you more excited about some stuff or what? Yeah, that's interesting too because I think there are a few friends of mine that I've spoken to that have said like they're more busy than ever during this time, which is really interesting and they're, they're feeling more creative than ever on some days. Obviously, it's a roller coaster. I was talking to a friend the other day that, are, that said sometimes she feels super creative and productive and then some days she wakes up and is like, I can't do anything today. I'm, I know that I'm not going to be functional and I'm going to admit that and just like lay down and call today a, a wash. But um, I think that what this has done for me and the things that I have kind of moving forward are doing something for other people and a lot of people. Like I, I've really enjoyed during this time doing these live workouts every Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 11 from like the get-go. And this whole thing started to unfold. I said, people are going to be without gyms. They're not going to know what workouts to do. Even I have trouble sometimes coming up with a workout if I'm on my own. So I said, let me try to provide ideas for people, a little bit of motivation, um, and just give them some structure to doing fitness at home because it's something that a lot of people are not used to and for that reason could just completely write off. 
And so <clears throat> being able to do live workouts and give people, um, just like build other people up and, and elevate other people has really been a, a good thing for me. My neighbor just walked up to the front door. He's going to help me uh, alter my rig out front. But huh. um, yeah, man, it's just finding ways to, like I said before, be able to use my platform to do good for other people. If you have any ideas, please share them with me. Maybe we can team up. You seem like you're doing good stuff for a lot of people, too. (laughs) We're trying, man. I love love watching what you're doing, man. Do you need to go? Do you need to go and No, no, no. uh, I think we'll be good. Sweet. So this is kind of my last thing anyways. Um, One of the things, like, I'm most encouraged about by you, Noah, is the, the way you love Joanne so hard. Um, and the way you're loud about it. And I love, I love when people love loudly and they're, they're specific about the things that they love and their significant other. Um, how can you one encourage people to, to walk in that? I feel like a lot of times as a society, it's like, Oh, I'm a man. Like, so I'll just love with my actions and I won't say anything about it. And, and I just feel like that's so backwards. Um, and you're coming from a guy, it's like, <clears throat> in a lot of ways, people, are, you're, you're big, you're strong, you got a lot of muscles, you're in the fitness world, you have a big platform, <laughs> and you still choose to like, no, like, I'm going to love this girl well, because she's in my yeah. life. And I think you really understand that all your accomplishments are also her accomplishments, because she sacrificed so much. Um, so how can you just encourage people to, to love loudly, to invest in their significant others, their people, whatever that looks like? Man, you know what? I've got to acknowledge you big time for this. I'm not kidding. You stirred something up and really encouraged me. I don't know how long ago it was, and I don't know exactly what you said, but you made a post about, do you remember what I'm talking about? It was something about what you're saying now, like loving loudly and, and like writing something positive about your significant other, and you wrote something about your wife. What, what was that? Can you refresh my memory? Yeah, so I I think it I think you're referring to is about a year ago. So I was my wife and I have a rule that we can't uh, not that we can't, but we do our best to not let a positive thought go unsaid. Um, and so I was in a coffee shop that morning, and I was sitting next to a girl who we're hoping to have on this season of the podcast, and she was amazing at handwriting and calligraphy, and I was just like staring at her. And then I realized she was writing a quote that said, don't let a positive thought go unsaid. No way. Um, and so I was like, what the heck? So I was in Starbucks in Dallas, Texas. And I was like, I don't know anyone. And so I was like, I got to do it. Like, if we say that's a rule of life, let's move. And so I said something to her and just like created this really cool relationship with this girl um, who's just an incredible girl and just amazing at what she's doing. Um, but anyways, I was like, man, I was kind of on a high that day. And so I think I posted something just about like, man, like, why do we appreciate people so quietly? You yeah. Know, like you're appreciating people. And, and like, I kind of carried this thought of like, if we only knew what people really thought about us, I don't think it's as negative as we would portray it. You know, like I think people were really looking at us and like, man, I wish I could do that. Like Noah, or I wish I could, I could just handle it that way. Um, but people aren't saying it because they think that it, it, it jeopardizes their image and, and, and who they are or their masculinity, which is really just pseudo masculinity anyways. Right. Yeah. And so I don't know. I think it was something like that. And I was probably on a high and just went after it. I've <laughs> always tried to really, um, be vocal. I love writing. And so, um, using that as a creative outlet to really show my wife words of affirmation is one of her highest yeah. love languages. So, um, really show her like, Hey, I love you. And I want to, I want to love you publicly. And I want people to know like you're mine, you know, and I think you yeah. do that so well. And so, um, encouraged well, I, by it, man. I, I think I was actually really encouraged by you and inspired by you when I read that. And and I think I took action and said something that day. So thank you for that. And uh, 
And I think it's important to do it in person. I'm sure you guys have had this conversation too versus social media because the yeah. social media love is amazing and it can be really inspiring and, and show people that you love them. But I think maybe at times can almost seem a little superficial and like you're posting yeah. a picture of your significant other because it's been 10 pictures without one. And, and I don't want it to ever be that. I always want it to be very genuine and it is. Um, but yeah, it's really cool. And then reverse something you just said made me think of a situation Joanna and I dealt with at the beginning more on her side. Well, it was for both of us, but she would not positively acknowledge my success because she felt like I was getting it from so many other sources that she didn't need to and that it wasn't as special because she would just have been one of thousands telling me good job. And but at the same time, I was like, what the heck? What is she thinking? Is she not like <laughs> I, I need some positive encouragement here, girl? And I asked her and she's like, oh, I didn't know that you needed that. I thought you were good because you're getting it from everywhere else. And I said, no, 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 no. I need it from you more than anybody. Yeah, so 10x. Right. Please don't be uh, don't be afraid to let me know that I'm doing good or bad, even though a lot of other people are doing the same. Your, your uh, opinion and thoughts matter a lot more to me than the masses. Huh. That's so cool. That kind of plays. So my wife and I kind of operate on two rules. One of them is that, and the other one is same team. So if we ever have to tell anyone, tell each other something hard, we preface it with like, Hey, same team. Like I'm yeah. coming from this because like, I, love I, lo- you. I love you, but yeah, yeah, exactly. And I love that. That sounds like you and Joanne, Joanne kind of had that conversation about like, Hey, like this isn't working, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I need you. I need to know that you love me. I need those things. It sounds like maybe words of affirmation is up there for you too. I know it is for me. I think uh, so for sure. Hmm. Well, that's so awesome, man. Any parting thoughts or just anything that uh, people can find you, people, uh, you just want people to know about you or anything? I feel like we touched on a lot of really good stuff. I'm just glad that I have the opportunity to finally have an in-depth conversation with you. And I think it confirms what I said at the beginning, that it could be a a pretty solid friendship for you and I. I feel like we're pretty linked up in a a bunch of ways. So I appreciate you, brother. Hmm. Thanks so much, man. It means a lot. But yeah, man, we're just encouraged by you, thankful for you, love the way that you love people, love um, what you're doing and the way that you use your platform. There's a lot of directions you could take with the platform you've been given and, and, and we're encouraged by the direction you've chose. So thank you, man. Thank you. Awesome. Well, hey, so you know what? Hi, brother. Man, I hope you guys were just so encouraged by that conversation. Um, I just hear the way that Noah is just pursuing righteousness and love in a way that Proverbs 21 talks about. And and truly, it just encourages me. I love the way he's wrestling with his faith. And I love the way that he's stepping out and choosing to be open-minded and really just looking for answers and seeking truth in everything that he does. Uh, man, just so encouraged by this guy. Thankful for him. I uh, hope it just spoke into your guys' life and helps you in some capacity. Hey, guys, one thing that we didn't talk about much last season quite frankly, because we had no idea that it was actually helpful in any capacity, uh, is just rating and reviewing the podcast. And so if this was helpful to you in any way, if you could just rate and review it, not to stroke our own egos or do anything like that, just because when you rate and review it, it increases the chance of getting this resource into other people's hands. And so if this is something that you found helpful, if this is something uh, that you think you may have friends that might find helpful, we'd be so encouraged if you would take the five seconds just to go leave a, a star review that's representative of what you think and write a few words. Guys, we're so grateful for you. We're so thankful for the opportunity to serve and co-labor with you. Uh, guys, don't forget to go check out New Ethics Formulations. We're so excited for their sponsorship and just the relationship that we have with them. Fantastic people, and we're just so encouraged by the way that they choose to model and run their company uh, on 
and pillars of belief that are consistent with Christian values. So head to the description in the show notes and use the code KNOWN for 15% off at New Ethics' website. Guys, one of the things we want to do this season is just really pray out the episodes. We're so thankful for the people that hang and listen, and we just want to pray over your lives. So, Lord, we just ask that you'll be with these people. Lord, we thank you just for their consistency with us. We thank you for them them trusting us to bring wisdom and to bring a word that will truly impact their life. Lord, whatever they're going through, whatever this may be, Lord, I pray that what Noah had to say and just the conversation that was had would be encouraging to them, that they would step forward in love, that they would step forward in faith, that they would step forward with a pure heart. This week, Lord, they would minister and impact people everywhere they go and that they would live on mission. We're thankful for these listeners, Lord, and just so grateful that you let us steward our relationships with them. In your name we pray, Lord. Amen.